Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here today with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And someone completely different. <laughs> completely different. He's completely different. <laughs> Why is I he completely different? Because we hung out at Pipeline. He's yeah. one of our speakers. You know uh, what I loved and about he's Albert? completely different. You know what I loved about Albert Tate, though? was how much he loved the worships that we had at Pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> like that, I couldn't believe how many times he commented on how great the worship set was. <laughs> That's because we didn't have a worship set, Daniel. We didn't have Uh-oh. one. We just kept, we just meat and potatoes. That's what we did. That's, what, that's how we did. There's, there's no worship. I wanted a song or something. They didn't even have a tambourine, <laughs> a cowbell or anything, man. Oh my More goodness. Cowbell. More cowbell. More cowbell at the Pipeline Conference. That's what I vote for. By the way, in case you're using the Googles right now, this is not uh, the Democratic appointee from Louisiana or something. <laughs> what? That, Are you that, serious? That, there's uh, an Albert Tate? Yeah, there's a... Uh, because when we were looking, um, you know, I knew that I was like, Albert Tate, Albert Tate. Because we were talking about Albert with Brand- with uh, uh, Lominick. And I'm like, who is this? And I Googled it. I was like... What? This is this is a, this can't be right. The Democratic nominee. Well, actually, guys, I have an announcement to make. I actually <laughs> am. <laughs> I was waiting for this moment to release it. No, I'm not that guy. You got to keep looking. Look for the black guy somewhere <laughs> with a big smile on his face. That'll be me. That'll be me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Albert Tate, for those of you who don't know who he is, he is the lead pastor of Fellowship Monrovia, an amazing speaker, and. And drum roll, he has just launched a new go. podcast. It's called the Albert Tate Podcast. And if you yeah. just look, if you look it up, the Albert Tate Podcast, you will see how, man, he is going to show you how to butcher meat. No. He's going to show you how <laughs> to think, cook. Or just leave. look at, look at, no, look at the apron he's wearing and the knife he's holding up no, on his image. I was thinking more like revolution. Oh, it's like how to, how to lead a revolution. So, yeah, that's a revolution right there, baby. A that's revolution why, of the when I saw it, Let's that's go, what baby. I was singing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, it <laughs> seriously looks like you're holding a knife up, man. <laughs> did you think? Did you did you really think it was a knife in a uh, in an apron? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I not think that me, says man. more about you than it does about me. It I does. Think maybe it? maybe you're hungry or something. You watch too many cooking shows. Yes, I do like yeah, my cooking that shows. That is a Bible and a leather jacket, bro. <laughs> well, on. dude, Bible, double-edged sword. Come on, it works. Hey, there you go. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Man, I don't know. Anyway, Daniel, but check you just out the podcast. Very Southern It'll Baptist be great. Here. All right. Hey, Albert. So before we get into our questions, tell tell our listeners about the podcast, because guys, you definitely have to listen and just look yes. up Albert Tate and the podcast will pop up. And but leave what, a five star rating. And yes. Review and just subscribe. Just go ahead and do it now. Completely. But Albert, tell us in the few episodes that you've already published, what what's kind of your favorite thing about it so far? You know, I love having great conversations with people and hearing them tell their story, hearing them uh, talk about their uh, engagement with, so I talked with Terrell Owens, uh, great conversation with Terrell Owens. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame 
uh, but he rejected it and did not go to the ceremony and decided to hold his own. Uh, and there were a lot of opinions about why. Hmm. Um, she would be fascinated to hear the real reason why Terrell didn't go. And it explains really his whole career. So if you know Terrell Owens, he's known for being arrogant, full of himself, but also a phenomenal athlete. When you listen to this interview, you will see and experience a completely different side of him. Even if you're not in the, in the sports, just hearing his journey is going to fascinate you. The first two minutes of the interview, the first two, three minutes, the first thing he says out the gate will have you captivated for the rest of the time. You won't believe what happens to him when he was 12 years old. Wow. Yeah. Right. So the great, great, the great episode, I talked to Lecrae, I talked to uh, Joe Saxon, uh, Carrie Newhoff. Um, I told Carrie I want to be the new black Carrie Newhoff. Uh, <laughs> and... He laughed and I was like, no, seriously, because I think you're making a lot of money now, <laughs> Gary. So I really want I really want in on that. And so so it, we we have some great conversations. So check it out. It'll inspire you. It'll make you laugh. It'll encourage you. Uh, and I think you'll love it. That's fantastic. Good deal. All right. I'm going to go ahead and get into our first question. And that is, Albert, who are you currently learning from? I am learning from, hmm, there are a couple of uh, great books that have just come out. Um, I'm learning from Jackie Hill Perry on yes. uh, issues concerning around LGBTQ. She has a great book oh, uh, out amazing. on that. Yeah. Um, I'm learning, always learning from Brian Loritz. He's been a long-term, uh, long-time mentor of mine. Uh, and he has a book that just came out, In Insider Outsider that uh, has just been so inspiring and so gripping. So it's been phenomenal. Um, and, you know, I'm learning from my wife, who we just had a baby, our fourth child, and to see her strength and her capacity be stretched uh, has been just in inspiring. So it's been really cool to, um, to just learn from her and how she's walking with God and pushing our family to godliness. So I, I've been learning from all of those folks. Good deal. And that uh, that that book, uh, Jackie L. Perry's book, "Gay Girl, Good God," correct? Yep, that's it. Gay Girl, yes. Good God. So good. Yeah, good if, God. Man, <laughs> if, seriously, <laughs> listeners, if you haven't yeah. read it, it's like Jackie Hill Perry. Okay, not only is the content amazing, like so solid, right. but she is a crazy good writer. She is like the whole thing. Mm. I was like, whoa! The way I could she not uses the words. Yeah, I couldn't I, put it down. I feel yeah. Like. Mm -hmm. oh my God. Well, you know, she's a poet. She's yeah. a rapper. She's an artist. She's a beast. So, I mean, she's got a triple threat. So I pretty, you know, I hate her um, pretty much. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like get one gift and in, in, in serve the body. Don't have six gifts and come up in here. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. pick one and sit down. You know what I mean? So I hate her. And she's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Daniel, That's awesome. when are you going to join the four club? <sighs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I How many kids, kids do you have, Daniel? Oh, the four club. He has four kids. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> uh, other than, yeah. Great no. leaders have four kids. Yeah. Well, my, What's your problem? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go snap. I snipped. I don't want to go snap. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just leave it like that, man. <laughs> this this interview just took a whole nother turn, man. I've never heard of being snapped. That's I, I'm not even sure thing. what it means, but he's from Canada. I don't it know was what it a, No, either. it was an office reference. A Steve Carell, snip, snap, snip, snap. For all of you who watch The Office, you will know exactly what really I'm talking watch, about. Yeah. Really does this you. does this podcast come with a rating? This Should it be, be PG-13? I mean, mine. I know. My, I, I expected you to go there. I didn't expect Daniel to go there. He's usually. I wasn't prepared for this. My agent contained. didn't think I was, I was, you know, 
My Canadian my friend in the usually, room. Uh, yeah. he usually is, <laughs> is much more tame. All right. Okay. All so, right. Albert. Yes. When you look at your leadership right now, uh, not only the leadership for as you speak uh, outside of the church and as you're doing the podcast, but really when you look at that as well as you, the team that you're leading, uh, the the rapid growth that you've experienced at the church as well. What what do you find your main point of emphasis right now? Um, organizational clarity. As okay. a visionary, I realize what I say and what I speak makes a whole lot of sense from 40,000 square feet. Mm. I mean, from 30,000 feet high. Yeah. Um, um, but what that feels like from 5,000 feet high is a mm. completely different thing. And me understanding and appreciating the gap, even if I can't communicate that gap. So getting people around me that can take vision that I'm articulating at 40,000 feet and in having someone to be able to contextualize that at 5,000 feet, because I realize I'm not good at that. Mm. <laughs> I don't do that well. I'm sitting there telling you, this is what it looks like. This is what it is. Why, why don't you get that? And I realize I'm built to speak at a certain height. Um, and that's not a get, that's not, that's not to say it's at a, a, so it's, that's a compliment. It's really a challenge to my leadership mm. because um, sometimes I have a hard time breaking vision down into small bite-sized pieces. And what I realize is it's not my job to. Uh, I've got a great executive pastor. I've got a great team around me that can take it and contextualize that for the usher or for the greeter or for the children's pastor. Um, as I speak about the whole board, I've got people that can break it down. But me at 40, 41, at this uh, year six, seven of our church, I'm realizing that I'm not as good as I thought I was breaking vision down at 5,000 feet level, at the 5,000 foot level. Yeah. So as, as you realize that about yourself, I mean, it's not just about finding someone who can execute and break stuff down. I mean, they got to know how to work with you and you got to gel with them too. So number one, how did you find that person specifically to work with you? And number two, give us an example of uh, a way that you guys have worked together to translate that vision into something, uh, into, into reality at the Fellowship Monrovia. <laughs> You know, my chief of staff for a while was, was a guy named Michael Field, and now I have an executive pastor, Scott Hitzel. We, we had to have chemistry. Um, I had to, they had to understand and appreciate who I am and my gifts. They had to not want my job, my position, had to be content with being the number two and serving and setting me up well. And with their heart and their love for me to set me up well, it's real easy to hear them say, yeah, Albert, that's not me. It's, it's easy it's better for you to articulate it here and then let's articulate it in these other spaces. Number one, to free you up to do what only you can do. But number two, you know, senior leaders, our words have weight that we don't necessarily re realize the weight that they carry uh, and pay attention to that. And if we don't pay attention to that, it becomes dangerous because mm. I'm sitting talking vision, but I'm talking it to someone that can't handle the weight of the words and they're crumbling because all they're thinking about is what this means for them what, oh, that's what Sam, that's, is, is Sam going to lose his job because of this vision and all that? And I'm sitting here excited and I leave the meeting like, wow, that was amazing. They leave the meeting and they're crying because they're thinking three people are about to lose their job and I'm going to have to change my whole structure because of this vision that Pastor Tate <laughs> just dropped in my room. So understanding the weight of the words, understanding which rooms 
that I need to have to have that space to do that in? And most of all, which rooms not to do it in? Mm. David, um, he was the assistant. Um, this guy, David from Saddleback, he was uh, um, Rick, Pastor Rick Warren's uh, assistant and chief of staff. And he just said, yeah, Rick, Rick would go around the office and end up talking to people. And they'd spend two, three weeks trying to clean up what he just pontificated in vision because he just got off a plane and he's excited and he's like, Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to take over a whole new continent uh, and such and such. And this poor little admin assistant is sitting there freaking out thinking, Oh my goodness, Pastor Rick Warren just gave me this. Bit. So he was like, when they didn't, they couldn't stop Rick from walking around the office, but they tried to give him some guardrails. Mm. And most of all, they just knew Man, be careful what you say, Pastor Rick, because we'll spend three weeks trying to clean up so something from, that's supposed to happen six years from now. Go ahead. So from this, do you would you say, so as I'm listening to you, I'm trying to process part of what I'm trying to do constantly is learn in front of people. And so now I'm learning in front of people on the podcast. But um, yeah. would you then say that most leaders tend to give too much weight to the words that they might say on the stage and not enough weight for the words that they say off stage. Yeah, it's a big difference. And the thing is for most, for most guys that I know, some are not, but it's, it's one thing. So I'm not thinking about Albert on stage and Albert off stage. That's just one person um, in just different contexts. But for the average person that's sitting experiencing me, they just experience something that God spoke to them on stage. And now that guy is standing, talking to them in a coffee shop. Um, for some people, that's a big, that, that they process that differently than I would expect them to. I'll mm, put it that way. Right. Doesn't make me grand. Doesn't make me anything big, to be honest. It makes me insecure. Um, because you, because people, man, when you, you open this book, you speak into people's lives, husbands have been transformed. Marriages have been saved. And they connect that emotionally, of course, with God, but God used you. And now here you are standing talking about some work that you want me to do. Like it's a it's a thing and you got to respect it and honor it. That's all I'm saying. And if you don't, you could really disappoint people, hurt people's feelings because you're just being human. But they see you as this shepherd and your words. God speaks through that mouth. So to now have that mouth be careless uh, and callous in this in interaction, you know what I mean? So he can mm. just do damage. So I've just learned as a leader, I've got to guard my heart, guard my mouth, guard my presence and how I interact with people because I'm their shepherd, I'm their pastor. Um, and as much as I just want to be Albert and call me Albert, just call me, I'm just a regular guy. As much as I want to be that, as much as I try to be that, um, people see you as a shepherd. And I don't think anything's that wrong with that. I think there's a culture that runs away from all of that stuff. But I think, I think it's okay for them to see you as shepherd, uh, and it's okay for you to accept the responsibility of stewarding that well. That's a good word. Yeah, that is really good. Okay, let's move on to question three, and that is, other than reading the Bible, what are one or two things that you have to do every day to stay ready to lead? Hmm. You know what? I, uh, one of my best friends is a guy, Ricky Jenkins. He pastors Southwest Church out in Indian Wells, out in the Palm Springs area here in Southern California. Uh, we've been best friends. Uh, we grew up together. He's actually my cousin. Uh, we started preaching together. 
uh, about 20 years ago, we gave our lives to Christ. He's one of the people that helped lead me to Christ. One of the things I do every day is we spend time on the phone processing, praying, venting, and plotting. Um, so we'll probably spend an hour every day on the phone, uh, which is why I haven't had to go to therapy as much uh, <laughs> because I just have a great friend that I process with. So I would say what I, one of the things that I have to do every day is, is, is talk to one of my best friends. As you're As you're talking to them, is that, I mean... Help, help help us kind of bring us into a conversation. I mean, what, what are how how do those how do those go? Does that yeah. happen today? Or what? <laughs> spill it. No, yeah. you don't have to spill it. But oh oh yeah yeah yeah. You don't even want to know <laughs> what happened today. So so it's uh, it's usually a little time of venting uh, about staff or family. <laughs> as my wife is in this room right now when I'm doing this interview. <laughs> um, living dangerously. But uh, <laughs> but it's a good time of vent. So we vent, man, this is what got on my nerves. This is what ticked me off. We're both eights on the Enneagram. So anger, we go to anger, Monday goes to Tuesday. Like we just, it's natural. Um, so we process stuff and we talk each other off the ledge. So I'm glad you got that. So he'll vent for 20 minutes about wife. Uh, or I've been about the kids or my wife or this bill. And then we'll talk off, talk each other off the ledge. So that way, when it's time to go engage that person or that staff person, they don't get the heat of that reaction. They can get an actual moderated Holy Spirit filled response. So we do that. We pray for one another. We confess sin with one another, um, hold each other accountable. We got health goals uh, sexual goals. Um, we confess that stuff on a regular basis. Um, and we write sermons together. I know what he's preaching this Sunday. He knows when I'm preaching this Sunday, we swap illustrations. Sometimes we use the same illustration on the same Sunday. Mm. We just hope, uh, our listeners never listen to both sermons because they'll be like, they are stealing from each other. <laughs> um, so we, we engage at that level, to be honest, every day. And it shaped me. It's, there's something powerful about having friendships um, and I, I, my wife is for sure my best friend. Um, but there's also something about another third space, another relationship to process things in. I'm a better husband because of that third relationship. And I get to bring a better version of myself to the conversations with my wife because I've had a, a space to process that in community. So it's really beautiful. And it's, it's influenced how I see church, how I see uh, what God calls us to. As far as community and fellowship, it's amazing to me how isolated people live. People go to church every Sunday, they leave right out. It's amazing to me even more, even more how isolated leaders live. Uh, no one knows what's going on with them. No one knows what their struggles are. They're not confessing sin to anyone. And we can use that excuse, where do shepherds go to bleed? Go to other shepherds. Go find another and build a relationship and build a commitment. So many pastors are struggling and suffering in isolation and they don't have good godly community. And then... Uh, we're all shocked when the scandal comes, but no one should be shocked because that guy always lived in isolation. Nobody ever knew his junk. He was always never vulnerable. So why are we shocked that there's a public failure there? You know what I mean? And that's yeah. not me being self-righteous. It's me saying, if I don't have that community, I would, I would make the same fall that's and true. save the grace of God. I would go the same way. So, so Albert, 
in light of that, we have listeners listening right now who don't have that, who are listening to the type of friendship that you explain and they're like, oh, it's not that I don't want that. I want that, but I don't know where to start. I don't know how to find that. Um, talk to us about, I mean, what encouragement would you give them if, if they were sitting across having coffee with you and they're like, you know, I need that kind of relationship. I want to be transparent. I want to move in that, but where do I start? You know what? I would say, um, not doing is it, 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 not doing it is not an option. So let's take not doing it out of the, out of the deal. And the reason why I say that first is because it's going to require you to be disrupted, uncomfortable, and there are going to be a lot of excuses for you not to get it. So you can have an emotional response in this moment and I need that. I just can't find it. I'd say that's bull crap. I think you can find it. I think it is there. It is available. You've just got really great excuses and you've probably come up with good ways to make good excuses. Mm. If, if, if you say, man, my social space is bleak. I don't have another pastor friend that I could get with. I don't have another leader that has just as much as I, just as much as, just as much to lose as I have. So don't get a congregant. Don't get your employee, but find another CEO, find another, find someone that's, that knows what it's like to work in the lead in the spaces that you lead in okay. and open up your chest and connect with folks. The other thing I would say is if you, if you just say, I don't have that, I'd say pay for it. Go sit with a counselor, go sit in therapy and invite someone to speak into your life. And then maybe you might understand what it is about you that's so hard to make friends. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. So Albert, talk to us about your home. Talk to us about your four kids, your wife, and, and what leadership in your home looks like. You know, it's, it's, it's a fun season. We've got a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, two girls, and then uh, a son, Isaac, and then a seven-month-old son, Micah. So we've got a big gap there. There's a big little oops um, but God blesses Word. those things. Um, yeah. So anyway, so we got a full house and it's, it's freshly full. My sister moved in from Mississippi. She's a worship leader, but she's also helping us with nannying. So, so my house has seven people in it. Um, and it's been amazing. Uh, my wife and I just had a conversation. My wife and I do date nights every Tuesday. So in our commitment to try to stay faithful in our marriage, to not just faithful to a baseline of a marriage, but a thriving marriage. We want mm -hmm. a thriving marriage. We have a date night every Tuesday night, and we try to make that non-negotiable unless it's, unless something just comes up major. And we have a young lady who heard the vision and the value of, of us wanting to do that, and she volunteers and babysits for us every Tuesday night for free just so we can go on date night. Um, and at that date night this past week, my wife just had a, a challenging conversation, and she just pushed me with accountability we don't have a regular rhythm for family devotionals uh, in our house. It's not something I grew up doing. And so it's, it's not natural to me. And to be honest, this probably sounds terrible. It's not even exciting to me to sit and do devotionals. I feel like I work in that space. So in a weird way, I feel like it's me having to produce something else. Hmm. Um, so, but the Holy Spirit kicked my butt and my wife did too. And she just said this year in 2019, we want to start having family devotionals. So the last couple of weeks, Man, we've been sitting down as a family, opening up God's word and walking through devotionals. It's not like it never happened before, but we didn't have a regular rhythm. So we're starting a new regular rhythm in our home. And man, it's been exciting. And I've been blown away at the insights that my kids have, their response, their level of engagement with the word of God and the memories and the laughter and the chaos that happens around that time yeah. is already been really inspiring. So I'm just getting into it. 
So nobody give me an award for doing it yet. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping I can stick to it. Looking for resources. I guess I should go to Lifeway and, and, and pick some up Amen. to do devotional. See that little plug there? See what I yeah, did there? Yeah, Come there on go. now. Come Amen. on now. I'm not even getting paid for that ad. <laughs> um, but um, but doing that, and it's, I, it means a lot to my wife. Um, and I think it's going to mean a lot to my kids. Um, so I need to do it. But I feel like I need to I'll be honest. And to, it's not something that I was excited to do. And I'm still not excited about doing it. I'm excited to see the results, though. So yeah. I'm committed. So as, as you're getting started, I mean, what, what is that? Walk us through. I mean, if, if, if we were one of your kids, I mean, what, what would that look like? What does it look like right now? So the first five minutes is Isaac, be quiet. Stop dancing. (laughs) Bethany, put that down. Put the pencil down. Sit down. Where are you going? You don't need any water. Wait, sit down. Yes. Okay. That's the app. So once we get back to that, um, I just opened up Psalm 23 they got little, uh, little, little pads, little journals. Yeah. And I just talked about the first two lines of Psalm 23 mm. about who God is and how he's our shepherd. What does a shepherd do? What are sheep, what does sheep do? And what does it mean for us to, to have a shepherd in God mm. and what does God do for us? So last night, um, and then I'll say, so here's the lesson. So last, and this is what the part that they actually write down. And for my seven-year-old, I got to make it short because it takes him 20 minutes to write one sentence. So uh, I said, uh, God um, is our provider. He keeps us safe because those are all the words that they talked about what a shepherd does. Um, he keeps us safe. And when we rest in him, uh, he makes us lie down, mm. that, that whole part. Um, in his presence, he restores our soul. And that's what they wrote down. Yeah. He restores our soul. Um, and then I asked them, the prayer request time was, how do you need God to restore your soul? Yeah. Um, and the, and the requests from them were just fascinating. It was, mm. it was, it was beautiful. It was kid-like. Uh, some of it was unimpressive. Some of it makes you wonder, are, are my kids going to go to heaven? You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but then they come in with this Holy Spirit truth that's just so inspiring. And it just, it just warms your heart. My, my daughter, Bethany has struggles with acid reflex. So she just said, I need the Lord to restore my body, mm-hmm. to restore my, uh, to restore my body and make me well. Um, so my son, Isaac has nightmares. Uh, so he says, I need God to restore my soul so that I don't have fear, but th- so that I can sleep through the night. And he's, he's asking God to give him faith instead of fear. Um, so it, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and Albert, um, yeah, we, we really appreciate how you're, how, how you're sharing that you're on the journey, right? That you, yeah. that you're not just saying, Hey, I've, you know, I did this for a week, but Hey, here's how I do it. And here's how everyone's supposed to do it. But that you're being honest about how, how you're working it out still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. We are making this thing up. My wife looked at me and I was like, okay, I gotta get, I gotta start. Yeah. So, but, and, and looking for some tools and looking for some great ways to sit down and do devotionals with the family that are engaging. And what I got is freedom not for it to be perfect and for not to expect theological nuggets to drip out of their mouths. Um, It's going to be chaotic. It's going to be crazy. But I just heard Tony Evans' kids talk about Tony Evans doing devotions with them and how it was chaotic. They was running around. It was crazy. But they still remember it, and it shaped them. Mm. So that's all I needed to hear. I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Because we had uh, we had Priscilla on, and um, that was the most striking thing from that interview for me hmm. was her talking about the table and the importance of the table. Ex- exactly, exactly. I think that was the conversation that really said, "All right, I got to create table moments." Right. So we're we're creating table moments. All right. Last question. 
what would you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? Hmm. 20, I would have been a year away from preaching my first sermon because um, I did that at 21. Hmm. Um, I would tell myself, um, dream big um, and you can believe that God will do big things in your life. It's okay. Give yourself permission to believe big. Um, don't, don't find so much comfort in settling for small things. You are wired, you're geared, you are made for big belief in God and big results in God. And God wants to do big things with you. And it's okay to say that Hmm. to yourself. And it's okay to say out loud. Um, I feel like I was in a, I found myself in seasons of my life in spiritually abusive cultures to where if you dream big, uh, you're trained to shrink that or you're trained to shrink yourself. Or if you got a big gift, there's an assumption that you're arrogant. So walk around in a, in a, in a, and look humble and act humble, present yourself small hmm. because you don't want people to think that you're, that you think that you're better than what you really are and all of that. So you have all that shaping how you show up in spaces and it also shapes how you show up with God. Um, and I would tell my 20 year old self, bro, you're loud, you're big, and God wants to do loud, big things with you. Lean into it. Uh, allow the, the humility of your heart to always be massaged by the Holy Spirit. Always be kind to people, but don't be afraid to go big. Um, because God's going to do the big thing anyway. Man, I just spent a lot of time stunned, being shocked that God did it, that I feel like I could have probably gotten more done if I wasn't so shocked. Um, and it's the shock where it's like insulting shock. You know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute, you married her? It's like, what, what does that mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like I treated God many that's like, God, you did that? And I'm sure God was like, Albert, what did you think I was going to do? Hmm. What, 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 were you, what, did, what were you expecting me to do? I'm the God of all people. I'm the creator. I'm the savior of the world. Did you, did, why are you thinking so small about my bride and my church and the calling on your life? So... I would have I leaned in and tried not to be so insulting to the plans that God has for me because they're way bigger than I could have ever thought or imagined. Um, and I spent a lot of time shocked and reacting to it as opposed to being ready and prepared for the opportunities that God would open up before me. Hmm. It's, that's a, that's a, that, there's a tension there, no? I mean, don't you always kind of want to be a little shocked? You know what? I feel like you should be in awe and overwhelmed. Okay. You should not be surprised. Hmm. I think there's a difference. I think you're in awe and overwhelmed. I'm in it. So here's an example. Um, I pastored uh, a small church in Pelahatchie, Mississippi for five years. For five years, I got there, it had seven people. When I left, it had 14 people, right? Hmm. So that I doubled the size. When was the last time your church doubled in size? All right. So <laughs> I did that. Fast forward about six years, I get ready to plant a church in Southern California. So not Pilahatchee, Southern California. And I'm intimidated because the last time I pastored, it was 14 people. Hmm. Now, between that time, I worked at a mega church and I'd seen thousands of people and God had blessed my ministry. It was great. But when it was time for me to actually plant my church, bro, I was so insecure about the numbers. I just said, Lord, if you send 200 people here, praise the Lord. Mm. It affected me. My team was saying, Albert, we got to be ready for bigger. We got to be ready for bigger. And I was like, no, guys, let's just, um, I, I think there's just two, three, two, 300 people. I just don't want to be, I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to expect, 
so we only put out two, 300 chairs. Thank God I had a staff around me that had chairs in the wings ready. Um, we had over 680 people show up that day. Hmm. We, so here's that, that's the awe and the wonder. Here's the problem. I was actually surprised. Yeah. So instead of being in worship before I got ready to preach, I'm having a talk to make sure that the fire marshal isn't about to come and close us down yeah. because there's so many people. I'm having to regroup the room and we got to reboot communion and I've got to get guys out of their chairs so girls can sit down. So we're going to have it. It was an amazing day, but I spent too much of the day surprised mm. when I should have been in the awe and wonder of God and ready for the opportunity to steward that. Instead, I was trying to figure out how to now, I didn't have room to receive it, literally. And I didn't have faith. So I'm trying to figure out, y'all sit down here, get chairs and do that. Woo, y'all, this is crazy. I'm glad, so glad y'all came. Scoot over, stand up. It screamed, you're not, you weren't ready. You weren't ready for what God was going to do. And I always want to be blown away, but not surprised. And that's a difference. That's a good word. That's a really good word and a good Ooh, place to this end. Is a, man, this is a top 10 <laughs> podcast right here, baby. This is great. Carrie Newhall, move out the way. Here we come. Let's go. No, that's, uh, that's good, man. So I, it, it's, it's been humbling in, 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 in learning those lessons, but I've been trying to learn them, man. I'm 41 years old and I'm, just try, I'm trying to figure it out, bro. I'm that's trying good. to figure it out. That's good. Well, thanks, Albert, for being on the podcast with us and uh, all for all the listeners, as you guys know, the five leadership questions podcast is a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, and yep, yep. and this week we're um, all the podcasts across the network are talking about the other one that Todd and I do, the New Churches Q and A. So if you haven't yet checked that out or haven't listened to it recently, some of the recent episodes, uh, church planting in closed nations, how to multiply without losing friends, reproducing churches. And if you scroll back just a little bit more, we did an episode on how to handle MLMs, multi-level marketing in your church. So. That's surprisingly <laughs> like that's been a hot topic. It has been a hot topic. Everybody's like, oh, listen to that one because I've got this issue going on my church. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. We're, we're practical. Yeah. Just trying to help. Just trying to help. So thanks again for listening in and we'll catch you guys next time.